another week, another banger. Backseat. Yeah, let's get to the intro. Sit down and chop it up. Let's talk about it. Well, let's ask the right question. Who's convinced? Uh, we're starting to see the mind frame stuff now. It's What Do You Know with Joe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another great week of What Do You Know with Joe. As always, we've got Baxter, we've got Winnie, we've got Lindsay. Everything's going great. Uh, can't wait for this week's episode. It's another banger. It's awesome. We've got the great Brendan Heinz-Ike. Brendan is a professional soccer player who currently plays for DC United, but he's played for teams all over the world in Sweden and in Belgium, uh, as well as here in the States uh, where he played college. Uh, very excited for everyone to hear the conversation. We chop it all up. We talk about what it was like playing for all those teams, what's currently like playing for DC United and under one of the great coaches and arguably one of the greats of all time in Wayne Rooney. We also talk about, towards the end, I think all of you will enjoy, uh, is his love for golf. Uh, he's just like one of us. You know, he wants to lower the score, his, his score. He wants to, you know, get out there and get after it. And, and you know, we're going to have to get on the course here, Brendan. Uh, but no post-pod this week. Don't worry, guys. It'll be coming back here soon. But we don't want to take away from the great episodes. But don't worry. It'll be coming back soon. Uh, so no need to stick around after the interview, except if you want to hear that cool-ass intro or outro song. Um, but it's a great episode. We talk a lot. And it's my – oh, how can I forget? It's with my great buddy Colin Ritchie as well. Colin will be uh, joining me on this episode. You'll hear him. As you guys know, Colin have been on the sh- has been on the show uh, before. And, you know, we did a great interview with him. And Colin's a big DC United fan, so we wanted to make sure he could ask some great DC United-related questions too. Um, that's what I'm here for. I want to incorporate everyone. I want to make sure everyone gets a chance to, you know, help the show grow and help the knowledge of game and, you know, sports grow. So with that, no more foxing around. We're going to get right into it. Here's the episode of Brendan and Colin. Hope you guys enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for so much for joining on another episode of What Do You Know with Joe. Uh, this episode, we've got the great Brendan Hines, Ike, and Colin Ritchie. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, thanks, so. Joe. Of course, yeah, no. So uh, we're very excited. Uh, we're speak. We're trying to speak to a lot of uh, DC United players and speak to some more. Which you know, Colin, I've I've been a fan. Colin's a way bigger fan, I would say, than I am. He's just a huge. We just love the game, love the sport. So we're very excited to have you on. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. Cool. Yeah, we, we, we appreciate you coming here. And uh, I think that we kind of just wanted to get an idea of your background and how you came to end up and find yourself in D.C. So starting off, you're born and raised in Denver. Is that right? Yeah, Littleton. Littleton. So just outside of Littleton. Denver. Littleton. Okay. Correct. Yep. Cool. How was the soccer community playing there? Was that kind of what you – the only sport you ever played and then was that kind of like you found a passion for it young and got into it or or what was that like so so my father was a really good runner when he was um in college high school and he kind of realized that as he got older there's not really a at that time there wasn't really much of a career for running besides you know maybe going to the olympics or you know having little state events here and there so he he kind of transitioned into soccer and got really into soccer in the 70s when you know soccer really wasn't a thing in the united states besides a few things here and there and pele came over and played with the cosmos for a little bit um but um after he met my mother and obviously you know um they got married and had kids uh, i have an older brother and younger sister um he was all about soccer and so we just loved it from the get-go and i mean 
we have pictures in the house from when I'm two years old and running around the backyard and kicking a ball and, you know, so it, it's been in my life for forever. And I have an older brother who was, I always say this in every interview I do, who was much, much better than I am. He didn't end up, he didn't end up going professional um, just because of, you know, various reasons and wanting to be in uh, different environments. But um, I've been in Middleburn, been around the sport for, for my whole life. And so, um, yeah, in Littleton, um, at the time, there was tons and tons of clubs. And of course, everybody, you know, knows this with, with American soccer, that the youth clubs, you know, it's kind of a pay to play situation, which, you know, I hope, I hope one day changes. I hope even, you know, I have a daughter now and I hope when she starts to play that, you know, there starts to be progress, you know, towards, towards, you know, free play, because that's how it is in, in other countries. And, um, so my father didn't want us to, you know, do the typical travel teams and, and be with um, the day-to-day people I see all the time. He wanted me to kind of be outside of my, my comfort zone and my brother as well. And so I actually played all my youth career with a really tiny club called Chivas Denver. So in Mexico, they have, you know, the big monster Chivas right. Guadalajara. Right. And so they have tons of feeder clubs around the world, basically. And what happened was Denver had a, a player who had been in the academy and then went up to the first team and, and played for Chivas for a long time. And then his family moved to Denver and he basically started this small academy. And, and it's, you know, it's full of kids that were, a lot of them were illegal. They were from all over the world. And, and, you know, um, I found myself mixed in with these guys and I'd say, you know, 90% of the guys there were, were Latinos. So Spanish was the only thing yeah. spoken. And so I had to learn and, uh, it was amazing because these kids were so good and they played um, a different kind of soccer than I've ever seen from like club soccer. You know, they were just free and it was like playing on the streets. And um, I grew up with that and I grew up like being in a really um, real world and real world environment because these kids, they have nothing besides soccer and their families were dirt poor. And, you know, so it used to be, I, I give you an example, like nowadays, like club soccer for a season, it's like $2,500, $3,000 a year. It's, it's crazy. We used to pay $99 for the year, like everything. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I, <laughs> my parents, my parents are like middle class and they didn't, they didn't obviously have tons and tons of money, but they weren't poor by any means. And so we had an easy upbringing in that sense. It was very normal for us. And, but my dad used to pay for a couple other guys, you know, for the year, if they really had no money or like they were coming from Mexico and they didn't even have their family there yet. And they found their way into the team. And so, um, you know, we were like the white family of the whole of the whole club. You know, we were the gringos, the huetos. And um, <laughs> but we loved it. We, we I mean, those, those are my brothers. I mean, I grew up with those guys. And um, mm-hmm. but as I got older, it, it, time, it was time to transition to something very serious, you know. And so then I started basically traveling for the sport. I went to four high schools in four years. Um, wow. So I started wow. off in Colorado. I was playing with Colorado. I was playing there in Colorado, you know, in my freshman year. And we said, it's just not good enough. I need to get to like something much more advanced. And um, so I moved to IMG in Florida uh, at the time and was kind of a really bad situation. I had you know, got there being promised a full scholarship and mm-hmm. the guy who did that was like fired weeks later and then the scholarship was gone and so I was kind of stuck there. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's part of soccer. It always is, you know, there's always stuff that goes on. And, right. and then I transitioned to California because Chivas USA, which used to be a club in MLS, funny enough, had just started and uh, my brother was there because he was down in Mexico playing with the real Chivas. We can't play with the actual Chivas because uh, you have to be Mexican to sign with them. Right. So Chivas USA started and 
we found ourselves in California and it was the real deal. And so um, that's basically my youth story. I mean, with leaving out a lot of parts, but um, I ended up in Chivas USA, you know, right before I went to college. And um, at the time, Chivas USA was one of the best academies in, in everywhere. I mean, they were much better than Galaxy and much better than DC United at the time. And um, sadly, the first team was abysmal and nobody wanted anything to do with that. And that's kind of why they ended up folding a few years later. Yeah, but, that's about all uh, I know of, of them. Yeah, but um, that kind of, if that gives you a good enough summary of my Yeah, definitely. That's, career, that's a pretty... Uh, pretty incredible everything you just said Colin and I were chopping up before and Colin honestly like Colin first off you nailed all of that like that basically Brandon you just came in and like validated everything Colin taught me within like a couple yeah. minutes before you jumped off. <laughs> I was yeah. I was telling Joe about Chivas Guadalajara and USA and all that stuff uh, crazy yeah. was yeah. that was your connection playing with their club in Denver how you went to their academy in in uh, California or was it, sort you know, of, you kind of took a roundabout path to get there. It sounds like sort of, it was more my brother. My brother was like the guy of Colorado at the time. And so, um, a lot of people knew him and he actually got a ton of trials down in Mexico because he was playing wow. with Chivas Denver. And so he had worked his way around. He was a Tigres, Tecos. Um, and then he worked his way into Chivas. And then basically what, what happened at the time was Chivas was saying, look, we're going to be feedering over this MLS club. There's no way you can be with us anymore just based off of your, you know, nationality because we don't right. sign Mexicans. So oh, we don't sign anyone who's not Mexican. Sorry. And uh, and so they sent him there. and He was there for a few months before I got there. And and he basically had told me, you got to come here. This is unbelievable. And, you know, the players here are so, so good. It's all top notch players. And it's similar to how it was also in Denver because it was all Latino players. But I mean, obviously, L.A. is a much bigger pool of players. I mean, everybody knows like an ODP brackets like california rules everything so right um it was a great way um to get players that couldn't afford to play in like the other academies in and i mean yeah after two three years the academy was huge and so i was i was in there right at the right time the coaches were very very good there's some really good players that have come out of there and so um yeah it, it worked out really well at the time with everything that's awesome what was it like to play with your brother were you guys just kind of in the same environment but did did you ever kind of play on the same field together we did mm -hmm. yeah he was he was two years older than i was in his age group so my first year i was kind of getting used to it and um adjusting and you know i was kind of trying to find my feet and he was already like the big guy of the club and so there was more pressure on me because everyone's expecting me to do the same thing and um i kind of finally got rid of that you know notion that i had to be the same as him and just played my own way and um, the following year, we ended up playing basically the whole year together. And, you know, I, I didn't play a lot like he did. I mean, I would get in a few games here and there and start a few games here and there. Um, but I was, I was, you know, not able to play as much as I would have liked to him, but I got to travel with him and do all that stuff with him. So it was, it was a really fun year before, um, before he basically decided to transition and, and go to college because he, he was not in favor of, of going with the first team and just basically watching how it was, you know, unfolding in front of his eyes. So. I feel that. Yeah, no, I, I, not too many people get to play with their siblings or like get to have that much interaction with their siblings in professional sports. So that's that's got to be pretty cool. Um, yeah. Kind of like with that Chiefs team, uh, you know, you were and jumping a little bit ahead in your career. Um, you were named captain of down the road of that team when you were playing, right? Or like you were you were promoted to that. What was you know what was that kind of feeling like? And especially like you know you're coming from your brother or like you know your brother was a big part of it. 
you know, I'm sure you saw maybe there was a little bit of pressure to maybe like fit those, you know, fill those shoes. What was it like being in captain and what did that mean to you? Well, I mean, yeah, the following year I was still one of the younger guys and, but I mean, I had a lot of experience. I played a lot of games and like I said, I, once I figured out that I was my own person, I didn't need to be, you know, under, under him. And, you know, I had to be his brother. I was kind of just my own guy. I think that helped me kind of come into my own and, yeah. um, no, it was nice. It was a full circle moment because when I started at Chivas Denver, it was hard, you know, being like the only white guy there. And, you know, there's a lot of yeah. talk about, you know, I'm sure, you know, I always used to get told, you know, your family's so rich and it's amazing. Yeah. And like, you know, no, that's not true. You know, you have to kind of defend your, your own and, um, you know, coming full circle, then being part of like a huge academy and being the captain there was, was really cool because, you know, it, it kind of showed all the, the hard work, but also how far I've come from when I started with Chivas when I was like, I mean, nine, 10 years old. I mean, it was a long time, you know, almost eight, eight, nine years. I'd been in kind of some kind of Chivas system. And yeah, you know, my dream was one day that Chivas, Chivas would allow players to change. You know, they would allow Americans to come play. I would, I would sign for them in a heartbeat. I'd love to put on that Jersey yeah. again, but mm -hmm. unfortunately that's never going to happen. So yeah. my, uh, my days ended there, but it's okay. You know, I was, I was, I was happy to to end the way I did with the club. So yeah, for sure. And speaking of that, like seg like like segueing onto our next question, you know, you you've been crushing all your career. You've been crushing with Chivas. When did you start getting you know looks for colleges for schools? I mean, like you said, you were hopping around all the way over the country, and then you landed California. What were you know some of the offers you were getting, and you know where did you where were you thinking about going? Well, it was tough because. So once my brother left, I still had a year and a half before I was going to graduate. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't still set on the college train. I still was expecting, maybe hoping in the back of my mind that the first team would change the way they were doing things and, and they would bring in new system and new players and more money would come into the, to the club. And I'd want to sign there. And, um, about eight, nine months later, the guys who were just ahead of me, I watched six or seven of them sign. I was super happy and I was like, oh, okay, I'm the next guy to do this. I really, I don't want to go to college. I want to sign a, you know, a homegrown contract and go into the MLS and get my career going. And, um, I mean, over a span of six months, I, six months or so, I watched so many of those guys just fold over and die in their careers and realize mm. that the club had no, no idea what they were going to do with the young guys. And they were just signing players up to mind and they were just being left to, collect balls during the training of the first team. It was crazy. There'd be times where I would go up to train in the first team as an academy player in the mornings. Cause I always went with the first team in the morning and I trained with the academy at night and there would be players who were already signed from the academy. So guys that were a year ahead of me and we, for example, have an 11 v 11 scrimmage in training and I would play in the training session, but the players who weren't, they would sit off on the side. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. is that me? Is that going to be me next? Like, I'll sign and then, like, what am I going to do? Just sit on the sideline during training? No way. That would be crazy. I'll just waste my right. career, you know? And it's not like they signed for a lot of money back then. You know, homegrown contracts back then were, like, $45,000, $50,000, which, okay, for me, was, like, a million dollars because I had zero dollars as a 17-year-old, you know? Right, right. But I was like, no, that's that just seems like a really bad idea. So... Yeah, I was at like the last part of my season. I had only six months left, and most of the guys were already committed and had gone to where they wanted to go. But there was a few colleges that had heard, okay, I wanted to transition and look at college. So, you know, look at the college options. So I had seen a couple of places around LA, but I was not really like, I don't want to want to go to like a state school or like something that's like just grabbing me because I'm there. And um, 
I had had some interest from like Akron, who I talked with, you know, at the time, Caleb Porter. And I don't know, I didn't, I didn't know if that was the right choice, just based off of how they wanted to do things. And then I had a game against LA Galaxy. I remember it clear as day. I played the game and played okay and played, you know, pretty well and, and whatever. And the game finished and all of a sudden this guy came across the field and it was the assistant coach of Creighton University. And he was like, you know, hello, and uh, I want to introduce myself and I want to let you know that, you know, we, we have one full scholarship left and we'd love to use it for you. I came out here for, to fly and I just came to see you. And I was like, wow, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't know what to say. I haven't thought about it at all. And, and I basically went home and talked to my parents and realized that Creighton University was like a really good soccer school. That's about it. I mean, besides that, it's middle of nowhere. You know, you're in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, That's a but I was like, you know, but let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, yeah. the school is, is always in like the final four or elite eight. And I was like, what a better way to get my name out there. And yeah, yeah so I committed to Creighton and it was a it was a huge change in my life to go there because you know LA it's nice life it's nice weather and you know you go to Oman it's like middle of nowhere it's cold mm -hmm. yeah but um that was my that was basically my transition uh, went there so and, uh, really late commit really they were playing in the Big East when you when you went there no the first year we played in the Missouri Valley which was horrible oh, okay. so that was also like that didn't help solidify my decision at all because the first yeah. year we were playing against like teams yeah. in Arkansas and Iowa and like Missouri well State University <laughs> yeah it was crazy it was crazy so we won the division like super easily there was nobody else that was next to us um my second year we transitioned to the Big East and that was like a huge wake up call for me because there was cool. obviously much better teams there yeah so. that's great um so in your time at creighton what kind of were some of the steps that you you climbed up there or accomplishments you reached and you guys went played in the college cups and went pretty far in those right in my first year we went to the final four we lost in like late in the game um we lost indiana and that was Damn. That was tough because I mean I thought that the team we had was was a real you know title contender. We'd beaten Connecticut in Connecticut. We'd beaten Akron in Akron. Hmm. You know, it was just like okay, wow, this is like a perfect year just to go all the way. And yeah. then the second year was a lot tougher because we had the transition. And then the third year was kind of like my big change in my college career because um, about halfway through the season, my season started off really well, and about halfway through the season, I had like kind of a halt with the with Creighton and there was basically like a problem with my scholarship and I don't know I don't want to get too much into it because it was really uh it was really crazy at the time but I basically was was all of a sudden having to pay money to go to school and and I don't know I mean where I come from contracts are contracts and I had a, I had a four-year four-year scholarship and so basically uh -huh. I was like okay this doesn't get solved I'm I'm leaving and I think that kind of tied in with what had happened that summer because after the second summer of my of my, so of my sophomore year after that year, I had started already to get a few people knocking on the door for clubs in Europe. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, I'm ready to leave. Yeah. And, and I had told Creighton, hey, I want to go over the, over the summer break to, to, to go to these clubs, um, to see them, you know, and they were really against that. They were like, no, you're not going to come back. And if you do do that, then you have to have you sign something that you won't sign and stay over there. And I'm like, but the whole point is that I go and like, right you know, sign it looks good for the school you know but they yeah. weren't really for that avenue they really wanted players to go all four years to you know obviously give everything to the school and then go out into the draft 
and be in the MLS. And I was like, hmm. no, that's not for me. And I think that I kind of mixed in with some, some other issues basically led to my end with Creighton. And, um, yeah. I was like, I need to make a quick transition. And, and I don't know how word of mouth gets out so quickly, but basically like South Florida called me the next day and they were like, we want you. And I was like, Say I don't know anything about South Florida and you know, whatever. And, and so the coach came and, um, he came to Creighton like that weekend in the middle of the season, which was crazy. So he like left his season wow. for a weekend to come. And I met with him. I remember meeting, we met at an old Chicago in Omaha mm. and um, he's like, let's, I mean, I want you, he's like, I want you really bad. And we have a, we have a spot for you for next year. Obviously I can't finish out this year because I can't, you know, change in the middle. He's like, right. like, and I told him what my situation was. He goes, you do whatever you want. He goes, just promise me one thing. If you go there, you can sign something, but, but sign it so that you, you know, um, would do it right after the season. He's like, just give me one season. That's all I ask sure. him, everything. And I was like, this guy just gets it. And, um, and I was like, okay, you know what? I mean, what else am I going to do? You know, I can't stay here any longer. And yeah. And I, yeah. I, yeah. So basically my middle of my junior year, I, I made a quick transition and I, and I halfway through the year, I, I moved and I moved off to, off to, uh, to Florida. So I finished, you know, the next semester, I started the next semester in, in Florida and Tampa and, um, and it was a, again, a totally different environment. I mean, you go down to Tampa, Florida, and it's like a million degrees, and the life is yeah, so good. Is it's the opposite of Omaha. <laughs> opposite of Omaha, you know, you have a huge school in South Florida. There's fifty thousand kids that go there, and yeah. So, but it was again um, a big obstacle in some way that had hit me. But then it was for the right reason because when I made the transition there, I was able to then go that summer off to Europe and and be with the teams I wanted to be with and it, it just gave me the taste of what I want in my life and I, I didn't look back after that basically. That's awesome. Sounds like you found a place where your goals align, yeah. went there and it worked out and then you eventually made that jump to Europe, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it is hard because I think sometimes you have this really direct avenue that you look at in life and it's like, okay, I got to stay with with this program and this is the, you know, this is the way it's forward and, and then something hits you and you're like, what's going to happen now, but it was really just to move you away and, and progress you more forward toward that goal. And that's what it was exactly with South Florida. I mean, it wasn't nearly the program that Creighton was at the time, but it was exactly what I needed to then get to where I needed to go next, if that makes sense. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, when I had gone off to Europe, you know, I had gone to Denmark and Norway and Sweden over a summer and um, I had seen four different clubs and basically at the end, before I was leaving, I had a club in Sweden who had said, you know, come on in. We want to see you. Word of mouth travels really fast over there. And I went there and I fell in love with the club from first sight and the coach had a really good connection with me right away. I remember the first training session, I had five or six players come to me and be like, are you signing here? And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't make those decisions. You know, <laughs> I was only 19 at the time. So I was like, you know, I'm just happy to be here. And and I trained mm -hmm. there for two weeks and the coach to told me afterward, he was like, we want you, we want you. And he's like, you know, um, I understand I'd already spoke, he already spoken with my college coach, you know, and said like, we want him now. And the college coach said we had the screaming and, and their season was only like a couple games left. So I was like, let me just go and finish in, in college. I'll come right back and I'll sign with you. And I finished my season in South Florida on a, you know, on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday. And the next day I signed, they called me, they had the paperwork there. I had the, the contract in front of me, I signed it. It was immediate. I didn't even think about MLS. I didn't think about 
any other clubs i was like no this is the perfect club for me to start my career it was because i was basically already seen as a player that would be used in a, in a vital role unlike an mls where i'd be a guy who's shagging balls and stuff you know yeah that's gotta be a great feeling easily yeah yeah for sure for sure uh so you know you played uh you made the jump to Sweden. You playing with their club. You played. You made so we, you know, seventy appearances with them. What was the what was that atmosphere like? I mean, you played all over the U.S. You played all over. You like you said, you went to Denmark, Sweden, all these places. What was that environment like playing? And you know, was was there anything maybe that you know all those places you played before led up to that and like made it easy, or was it just a completely different environment over there? I think all the things I've been through, I knew in my head because I had dreamed it for such a long time what it was like to be in a professional environment. I mean, also being there the summer before really helped me with that transition. So it wasn't a culture shock. But, um, you know, once I got into the thick of things and realized you're not playing just for fun anymore, just for like, right. you know, college, it's, just, it's for money. It's, it is it's a, a lot job. of stuff that's online here, you know, that's for, at stake here and learning about TV deals and how much it means to, to finish in a certain spot the table and how much the club relies on that was a big wake-up call for me in a good way because i had to grow up really fast and um you know i was there alone i didn't have a, a girlfriend at the time or anything and um i i was basically a guy who was like okay i'm just gonna dedicate my whole life to this and you know every waking hour i'm gonna be trying to get as good as i can and that worked out well um in some stages it also led to some early burnout which i had to back off a little bit because i realized okay i don't want to be burning out at like 20 years old, I still have a long career, you know, right. so I wanted to, to take it easy. But um, the environment was 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 really different because in in college, it's four month season. It's like, go, 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 go. And in Sweden, it's it's a lot longer and you have a huge preseason buildup because of the weather. You can't start, you know, you can't start the competition until like April, but you mm. need to report for preseason in January. So you have this like three month preseason where wow. you're just going on these various trips to Portugal or Spain to get out of the, you know, the cold weather and train. And it's hard because the training camps are really long and brutal. And, you know, you're usually like in these compounds that are you know, not really close to anything. And you're there for three weeks at a time. And um, mm. then you come back and go again. So that was that was tough because I was like, oh, man, this is, this is really different than what I'm used to. And I obviously didn't know anyone. So I had to really kind of take my time and, and kind of inching my way into the group. An American, I was only the second American there and was, you know, a lot of, um, there was no negativity toward me, but it was, you know, there was a lot of already like um, assuming connotations about Americans. And so I had out all the people kind of thinking these things about me. And I, you know, I was like, that's not true. Or mm -hmm. I don't know anything about America or anything like that. <laughs> um, but as time went on, you know, and the group finally began to accept me. And obviously I was playing in games. That always helps when you start to mm -hmm. play and play yeah. well, accept you much quicker. And right. um, from there, I mean, probably after six, seven months, it was, it was a little bit shaky. It was tough and I played well and I didn't play well. And it was like back and forth. But once I finally got it going, it was, it was basically flying from there. And I mean, the next two and a half years were, were amazing. I mean, it, it felt like I was at the club for, like six, seven years rather than like three years. And it was it just, you know, it was one of those things where time just flew by. And um, yeah, before I knew it, it was, it was time to leave. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like it's, it was the, just the right place to leave the college environment, go there and set mm -hmm. that as kind of your launch pad into yeah. your next place, which was to Belgium, right? Joe and I have been working on our pronunciations. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, was going to say, you go first. Be, you go first. Cord, Cordreich? 
I was going to say right? court rig. Court trick. You guys court are trick. Yeah, oh, you know, that's it. All right, we'll be better next time. Well, but, because uh, in 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 Dutch, it Rick is sometimes R I K or it's R I J K. Yeah. So that's why that J is like kind of strange. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Cool. Um, yeah. So that how that worked basically was I was halfway through my Swedish season, and my agent at the time had basically told me, "Look, you know, um, we have a we have a couple offers for some teams in Sweden that that really want you," and I was like. Yeah, I was kind of stupid and young, and I basically said, you know, um, you know, I, I don't want to play for any other team in in Sweden besides the team I'm with. And the team I was with was kind of small, and I was like, you know, I'm I'm loyal to this club, and I wouldn't say I was stupid. I was just, you know, I was so love, I was so in love with the club. I was like, I can't go to any other club. But of course, you know, to progress your career, you need to go to big clubs. It gets you yeah, seen by other people, yeah. and so I kind of went out in the media, and I, you know said you know that's it i'm not signing with any other clubs and i love this club i'll be with this club you know as long as i can and if i am to leave i'll go to another country i won't stay in sweden whatever mm -hmm. well that was like the end of my swedish career because it was like <laughs> nobody else at that time was like okay um but at the same time i had a couple clubs in, in in holland who were really interested and um holland is tough because they only take it's similar to mls so there's only a few international spots you have to be paid the highest amount and it's really hard to 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 make everything work and, and justify it as well because you know I'm a defender and defenders obviously aren't the guys who are paid the big bucks. It's it's strikers, it's it's attackers, it's you know the special players who make something happen. And you know it was hard for them to justify. Okay, we're going to bring this guy in, pay him the most of the whole team, you know, give him the international spot. So Holland was really tricky in that sense. And so then it transitioned to Belgium, and Belgium was a whole different environment and i had a few players from my club who had gone to belgium and they had told me how you know difficult it was and it's just so extreme and the people there are just so passionate but it's so difficult physical and it's it's very very structured the way they have and there's there's no change in the way it is i mean you don't come in and like you don't you don't adapt to the you don't adapt the club you adapt to the club that makes sense some players try to come yeah. in and they want to change the way they do things and you know if you've got enough players they can change you know belgium has like it's a very strict system um, and it's just a very, very physical league. And so I had known about that. Um, and yeah, basically this club Kortrick had come and seen me and they, they had put out a, a, a pretty decent bid for me and, uh, at the time. And then, you know, my club was like, no way, we're not letting you go for, for anything less than whatever. And, um, there was a lot of battle back and forth, but I had basically then eventually gone into the club and said like, okay, I think it's time, you know? And I think that was the stepping stone. Cause they were like, okay, if he's ready to go, we'll accept it. So they kept pushing. They ended up getting like twice as much as they ended up, you know, originally, you know, getting offered and which was great for the club because I wanted the club to get money back, you know, for all the development they'd given to me. Um, and yeah, I made this transfer to, to, to Belgium. I showed up on a Thursday. I did my medical on a Friday morning and I started the game Saturday afternoon and I had never even trained once with the team. Wow. It's go time. <laughs> <laughs> how did that, how did that game go? We lost 4-1, but I was, I mean, to be honest, I was, I played really well because I'd already been like fit and I was like into the season, but I mean, right. I played different position and I didn't even know I, I showed up to the game day. I didn't even think I'd make the game day roster. I was like, oh, I just got here. Like, let me just sort myself. The guy yeah. like, no, you the roster. And I arrived on the game day and he's like, what do you think about starting at right back? And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, I, I'm not actually asking him. You're going to start it right back. And I was like, holy cow. Okay. So I ended up playing the whole game, started right back, and um, 
it was like bang it was like shot of a shot out of a rocket like here goes your belgium career get started um how much how much time when you were there did you spend it right back then versus center back well so quickly i learned that you know in sweden you're a little bit sheltered because the league is you know it's it's not nearly as brutal in terms of media and you know they really actually like want I feel like they want the players to succeed in Belgium. It's kind of similar to England. Like the media is really, huh. is really brutal and, and especially on coaches. And so we had started off the season pretty well. We had a very good team. I played like the first 13, 14 games uh, at right back. And all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, our coach got fired. It was like a huge shell shock for us. It was a big shell shock for me because I really liked him and I played every minute with him. And before you know it, there was a new coach there and it was like, it was totally different. It was totally different. Immediately to the bench, you know, I didn't play a lot. It was, you know, here and there. And um, it was tough, man. It was tough. Like the first the first couple months adjusting that were really hard. And then I got into the rhythm of it. And he was very difficult because it was all the time running. We'd go running all the time. So, for example, like you'd have a game Saturday, Sunday, he'd ask you to go for a run on your off day. And they'd track it with different watches in our GPSs. Wow. Monday you'd show up and have a regular training session. So you really didn't have an off day. And then Tuesday, you start the day by going for like a 10 mile run in the woods that was timed and everything was like set and it was regimented and you had your heartbeat and you had your heart ratios they wanted you to stay at. So you couldn't cheat it. And then you train again on Tuesday and then you do a doubled session on Wednesday. And I mean, you do that like three, four weeks in a row and you get really, really fed up. Cause it's like, Oh my God, this is insane. You know, playing games on the weekend training like that. And that was the real like Belgian mentality. And I got, pretty upset about that pretty fast and um you know from there it was hard until i again adjusted my attitude and i was like okay this is it is what it is um and then the following season i played most of the season um and it was it was a pretty okay season we went pretty far and we almost uh, made it to europa league which was would have been a huge accomplishment for for our club because we're like you know a pretty small club compared to like the europa league clubs mm -hmm. and um yeah, and then I kind of made the transition to my third season where, you know, at that time and I, when I had come in, I was like one of like 16 new players at the club. They had a huge like turnover. Well, after that, I was the only guy left. So mm -hmm. all those guys that came in had, had dispersed to other clubs and I was the only guy left. And this coach kind of basically made it clear he didn't want me there anymore. And it was like, you know, I want you to move on and, and made it difficult for me. But the club, however had paid a lot of money for me to come there and they had me on a five-year contract so the club didn't really want me to go anywhere else so i had this conundrum where it was like the coach wanted me to leave but the club wanted me to stay i wasn't <laughs> playing but the club was like still happy that i was there training and i was like no no this is not going to work for me no and the next six months were like the darkest six months of my career i i, I was so fed up I, I honestly at the time you know so i had I'd make a kind of a quick side note. I had met my wife uh, at Creighton. And then when I went to Sweden, we couldn't make it work that I would go with her and we kind of like broke it off. And then I kind of reconnected with her in Belgium because it was a much better setup. I had made more money. So I felt like I could like take care of both of us, you know, right. when I was there. And I was more established as like a person because when I was in Sweden, I was like, you know, I was younger and I was like, okay, I just need to focus on myself. And so I remember at the time when I was in Belgium, my third year, I told my wife, um, I was like, you know, that's it. I don't want to play anymore, honestly. Like, if this is how it is, then I'd rather end it. I'd rather end it because it was not even fun anymore to me. I'd, I'd go mm. to training. I'd know I had no chance of playing. I was basically, you know, being strolled along. And it was 
it was miserable. And, um, and kind of leading up to DC United, because I'm sure you guys are wondering how I got here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of two things. First of all, when Hernan Lozada had come here, who I'd known pretty well um, from watching him and like you know playing against him and stuff, had come here. I thought, wow, that's that's a great move for him. And I, I didn't really think about it too much. Yeah. Um, but a few weeks went by, and all of a sudden he called me, and he was like, you know, Brennan, what's your situation? I was like. And I explained it to him. He already obviously knew my situation, but he wanted to know, like, what do you actually think about, you know, coming here? And I was like, well, it's interesting timing because at the time, obviously, I was having a really bad moment in my career. I wasn't playing and I was never going to play no matter what until that coach was fired. And um, at the same time, my wife and me had found out we were, we were pregnant. So I was like, you know, maybe this is a great opportunity to go to DC United because, you know, at the time... To be fair, when Hernan called me and he asked me what I thought, I said, look, I don't know much about DC United. I've only seen them from the history of them. And I knew they had a huge history and I knew that they were a really, you know, beloved club in the MLS. But I said, I've seen a few things from the last few years. And I was like, I'm not interested in going and playing at RFK and all this stuff. Literally, you know, not knowing anything about the club. And he explained to me, you know, obviously it's a new stadium and there's new things. And I have a whole philosophy. I want to bring you here. And I thought, well, let's see if we can make it work, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, basically a few days later, you know, after some extreme back and forth between DC United and my club in Belgium and me also getting really angry, kind of telling the club, I don't want to be there anymore. And, you know, a whole thing, you know, we got the deal and it was great. And it was a big relief for me because it was like a reset button to come. Yeah. And it was great because my transition to DC United was so, so easy. Obviously coming back to the United States was big because I hadn't been back in seven years, but at the same time. Hernan, the way he made it set up, the coach, it was like being in Belgium, but being in the United States, because it was a Belgian mentality guy. It was super easy for me. And I was right away like the guy he used as like to help everybody else get used to his system. And it was it was great, man. Like my, my transition to DC United was the easiest transition I had in my whole career by far. You know, right away I had already known a few players and it was really easy That's to nice. mix in. And uh and being back in america was like the biggest relief for me in my, in my whole life like, <laughs> i love living yeah. in europe but like living in the united states after being away that long is so nice man it's yeah so nice. i got to imagine with with a wife and now daughter too it's right it's made all of that a lot easier for you a lot easier a lot easier like being able to go to doctor's appointments and knowing it's in english and like being able to like have people she knows around her and people i know yeah it made a world of difference, world of difference. that's cool and so well, I was thinking you kind of answered the question I had in my I mind. I was thinking the same oh, thing. <laughs> Losada will know the Belgian training style and all of that, and you come here and yeah. boom, you know, you fit in perfectly. Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was your first game that you scored a goal or first game at yeah. home? Yeah, something? first game. Yep, that yeah. was a great game. That was a great game. Yep, that was my <laughs> that was my game of my life, basically. But I was so comfortable and I knew I knew the system and I knew the MLS and I just felt like at my best, you know, and um, yeah, obviously scoring the goal was 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 great. You know, in my mind, it's kind of like whatever. I was just happy to like be able to smoothly go into the MLS and start my my career there. But um, yeah, no, it, the way he he had things set up and the way he did things like were so you know similar with how I knew things in, in Belgium. But it was he did things the right way and he did things that the way that. I liked from Belgium. He took away the bad things that I didn't like from Belgium. So it was, it was a great, it was a perfect setup for me. Hmm. And naturally just cause like, you know, and again, like just 
like you said, you had so many with, with the transitions and you mentioned like, you know, having that transition from DC United to, or from uh, uh, Belgium to DC United being so smooth. What was it like then being given that permanent contract by DC United? Did, did Was it just like kind of like a gratifying moment? Well, I mean, yeah, I, my season, my season didn't go nearly the way I thought it was going to go. I started off really great and I had, you know, first 13, 14 games really, really was, was playing super well and was fitting in the system and the system was starting to gel really, you know, in the right way. And I had all of a sudden like bang, a freak injury and I broke my hip and I was like, oh my God, like, what is this? You know? And so when I had been told what, you know, the severity of it was, I was, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, this is unbelievable that I have just got mm -hmm. into like playing again i was in really good form i felt really right. good yeah again a huge hurdle in my life where it's like you know here you go um and it was tough because without getting too much into it you know the hip injury i had was very very severe and it was you know talks about career ending and huge mm -hmm. surgeries and it would take many many months if not a year a year and a half to get back and i was like this is yeah, ended up not having any surgery on my hip, which was the great greatest decision of my whole life. You know, thanks to a few doctors and, and and talking with my family and stuff. And I ended up coming back in four months, which was, which was big because it allowed me to show to DC United, look, I'm back, and I'm not. It doesn't have an effect on me. And I was able to come back, and I played the last few games, and I even played the last game, you know, the full game, and played really well. And um, so, getting the permanent contract was a great thing in the sense that I was able to, you know, obviously show I'm. I'm the injury didn't affect me in any way, but it was also nice for my family to kind of finally break the ties of Belgium because, you know, in the back of your mind, you're always, I was thinking the whole year, like, you know, I, I may have to go back. I may have to go back. I still have two and a half more years on my contract right. in Belgium. You know, I, I don't want to go back there. And I used to have nightmares. I used to wake up in the middle of the night and I'd tell my wife, like, I can't go back there. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like I can't, I mean, wow. just because how, how traumatizing it was for me with how like poorly I was treated the last eight, nine months of my career. I was like, I can't go back there. And I, when I left, I basically like cut ties with the club and I was like, I never want to see those guys again and et cetera, et cetera. And so it was really nice to get the, you know, the final you know contract in front of me, sign it and know, okay, it's done. And I don't have to worry about the club anymore. I still have once in a while, like a nightmare. Oh, I got to go back to Belgium. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, so then obviously, um, once everything was, was done and set in stone, it was, it was good because we had just had our daughter and it was like, okay, we need some stability and you mm -hmm. know, we need to buy a house and like, get settled and everything. And it was, it was, it was a hectic winter months, but it was, it was really nice at the same time. That's awesome. No, yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking of in injuries and again, sorry to do that, you know, since you are out the rest of this season, right, with injury, you know, what goals do you have for the future of the team, especially, you know, moving forward with a, a new group of guys and things like that? What are some things, you know, you goals you're setting for yourself next year? Well, anybody who follows DC United has known this has probably been one of the worst seasons in history of the club. And I, you know, there's a lot of explanations for it, or maybe there's no explanation for it. It kind of goes both ways, but um yeah that on top of obviously having another tough injury but i mean next year for me it's just the thing that upset me the most is i just felt too many times throughout this season people didn't play with enough understanding of what this club means to, to the dmv area and what it means to the history you know of of dc united i think mm -hmm. we didn't you know it was embarrassing a lot of times for me because it, we so poorly represented you know, the club and the history of the club and the name of the club, you know, I felt ashamed sometimes like, oh my gosh, this is, I can't believe that, you know, this, 
this is you know a club that's so full of of winning history and we're just you know staining it with with how we're performing in one season and maybe i was a little bit hard on myself because obviously i know you know as tough as dc united fans are on on them they also have a lot of love still for the club no matter what and so i think a lot of people understood it was just one of those years where you know you transition from you know a coach who is who does something one way then you transition to a coach who who does something another way and then you transition now to wayne rooney and it's like it's huge huge swings players have gone in and out of the last you know 12 months that were crucial for us and then new crucial players came in and so you know it's it's really been you know if you want to say it in a nice way a reset year for the club just in that way yeah. um but my goals next year are, are really to get back dc back to where they belong i think it's been way way too long and it's you know it's it's tough for me because even like i said before i came DC United, I was like, nah, DC United, no, nah. like they, they've been struggling for a long time. Yeah, they make the playoffs and they play one game, but I was like, I want to be part of like a contender. You know, I want to be part of a team that's trying to do something. I mean, you don't get a lot of, you know, years in this career. And so obviously, you know, I've been at clubs that were, were basically just fighting to stay into the middle or staying, trying to stay in the league. And, you know, I thought like DC United should never be doing that. That's just insane. And so, I think next year it's 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 getting back to that but i i you know a lot of us guys have talked about it you know it's just it's there's got to be more of a recognition of realizing what it means to play for the club you know you're not playing for a club that just started you know this year you're not playing for a no. club that's dc united is like i think of mls i think of dc united like it's it's like the founding of mls you know and yeah. so um my goal is is to be a person that represents you know that the original dc united the real dc united next year and you know not only with with like you know the way I play, but with my leadership and 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 also helping guys who come in to realize that because it really bothered me this year that I just feel like enough, you know. And it's hard, obviously, when you don't win a lot of games, but you still represent a club, you know. Especially a club like this, it's so important to to be proud of wearing that shirt and and the and the history it has. And I just feel like not enough guys had that. And, and as a group, we didn't have that. And I, oh man, I, I had a lot of sleepless nights this year. I can tell you that much. So yeah. that's um, a that's a good point. That Joe and I, as kids, went to games at RFK, and we yeah. remember seeing that team, mm -hmm. or you know, win multiple MLS cups when we were when we were young playing yeah. soccer. Right. And it was, uh, you know, we just long for those to come back. Um, yeah. But kind of thinking about the future a little bit, have you gotten on well with Wayne Rooney being the coach now and you know, is he? Does he feel like he's the guy to lead this team into next year with high expectations now? For sure, I think Wayne is. Everybody knows him as, as a superstar. I think what I was pleasantly surprised with is he's just very normal. He's very normal, and he wants to be right in with the players. Um, you know, the first day he came in, he was already right away trying to joke with guys and kind of open up the mood a little bit and um but i think he was also clear i think to be honest i know he had talked about like resetting and trying to get to the playoffs this year that was never going to happen just based off of you know teams coming into very good form at the time and us mm -hmm. not having any form and having seven eight new players coming in changing of coaching again so his real mindset that he had kind of basically set out for us was you know I want to see who's going to be here next year. Who wants to? Who wants to show me? Who wants to be here next year? And then I want to be able to start off flying next year. And um, so I've I've gotten along with him really well. I only got to play under him for five games, and then I had my injury. But you know, 
when when he came in with his assistant coach, the transition was was quite easy. I liked the way he wanted to play. I liked the tactics he had, and um, he just got back to the fundamentals of like how to play and, and how to win games and 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 how to have the right mentality. And um, you know, unfortunately, it's still been tough with certain with certain people, and and obviously some games have been not going our way. But you know, it it takes time. It takes time. You know, I've seen a lot of this happen with really good coaches where they come to clubs and they just don't give enough time to a guy and then it just you know right as it's about to click it, it goes away and 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 then they expect another guy to come in and and fix it immediately it takes time you know everything yeah. takes time and yeah um, you know it's it's just one of those things where we need a full preseason together with the way he does things and then and then get going from there and i think everyone also is, is feeling the same as probably me and you guys are it's just like the season can soon enough let's just <laughs> move on and like put this one away and mm-hmm. let's just let's just go That's to right. the already because this has just been a crazy year so makes for yeah. a good comeback story you know down the road and makes for the hey we came from the bottom now started from the bottom now we're here you know 100%. i think there was a famous quote that said that yes 100 100 cool well um Let's see what what else we got for you. I guess that that kind of sums up everything mm-hmm. you've you've done in the soccer sphere. So outside of outside of that, you're now living around the DC area. What what have you found yourself enjoying doing with your off time? Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a big time golfer, so I love going and golfing. Um, yeah, I love golfing. <laughs> right on. To be honest, that's my passion in life. I love golfing. Like when I'm out on a golf course and it's just me or I'm with a few guys and oh, I just I'm a different person. And so it's been hard because once I had my daughter, you know, my wife was like, "Got to be home and you can't go out and be gone for four hours." And you know, so you, that, have, you have all those you know arguments or whatever. But uh, it's been tough now because I have my foot injury and I have to be off my foot for you know a few months before I can go out and play golf again. But um, it's it's probably my my main thing I do. But Otherwise, um, no, I love exploring. I mean, I, I, I live out in South Riding, so, um, you know, th- there's a lot of wine country out here. You know, yeah. my wife and I go to a lot of the wineries here, and um, we love to we love to go to the museums. We we go to the D.C. area here and there, but, you know, to get in there and you know, with all the traffic. We lived last year in Crystal City, so we were right there, you know, to go across the border over the bridge and into the, to the, to the D.C. area. So we were there all the time. Um, but otherwise, I mean, we just moved into our house a few months ago. So, you know, just mostly here and setting things up and, you know, just trying to, trying to settle down a little bit has been what we've mostly been up to. It's fun to have some handy projects around the house. Exactly. (laughs) I just, before we got on, uh, before we did this interview, I just did an interview literally like minutes, like an hour before this one with um like up and coming golfer like steven stallings and then tomorrow i'm talking to uh bo hogue so we i mean if you're ever interested in golfers or anything like that man just let us know we're yeah, big, fans of the golf big fans of the golf game for sure i was able to go to the pga event this year um oh yeah yeah so that was awesome to go and see those guys obviously it wasn't the biggest event but um you know we got to see rory and those guys which was, which was so cool yeah yeah it was awesome that's great thanks now, yeah, and then on similar top, similar question, and then Colin, I may I may let you ask the fifth grader question today, uh, but uh, similar uh, similar kind of question, you know, especially like you know off the field or around the field, 
Are there any like interests or topics or things that, you know, are important to you that, you know, you wish people knew more about? I mean, one of the things we like doing on the show, too, is like, you know, raising awareness or, you know, things that our guests find important. We want, you know, we, we would love to learn about, too. Or And I think, you know, we actually spoke with uh, another D.C. United player, uh, Sophie, in a couple of days ago. And he was like, I wish more people knew about college soccer or something, you know, showed them respect. But is there anything, you know, you're passionate? It doesn't have to be college soccer, but is there anything you're passionate about or, you know, you wish people knew more about? Well, what I'm passionate about, I mean, I've a couple of things. I mean, I've always been tried. I've tried to be as heavily involved as I can in the community I'm living in. So I try to do stuff for for DC all the time, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, different clothing drives or food drives. Um, I, was, I was just there a few weeks ago to do like the back to school event where we handed out backpacks and stuff. That was so, yeah. so fun. Really gratifying. and Really cool to see like a lot of the people who are DC United fans. But at the same time, you know they're they're coming from a tough background to be able to like speak with them. And, yeah. Um, I think for me, I don't know. I don't know if I want to like talk about like something that's super close to me. I don't know if I have something that's like that. I mean, I've always like my passion in life besides golf has always been kids. Like kids for mm-hmm. me is is like for me like also having a, having a child now. But I've always just like loved kids. I've been so fascinated with them because they see the world so differently than we do as adults. And um. You know, I always I, one of the big conversations and topics I always talk about is 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 just raising our kids in the right way and not not having mm-hmm. them be so biased one way or another. I think in America we're so biased and we're so split in judgment from one to the other. And I just wish that we would raise kids that were more open. And um, and I feel like you know, kids in the DMV, funny enough, have that because of being like in the political time square of the world and also having all these different diversities and, and, and nations coming from people coming from all different kinds of nations. And so you have such an open view about things. Um, that's like a huge thing for me. And I think, I mean, the other thing that's huge for me, obviously, I think it's, you know, obviously it's a big topic for everybody is, is, is racial, um, inequality. And, and I think, um, you know, <laughs> I actually started something when I was in Belgium during the time with George Floyd because, you know, my wife is from um, is from St. Paul. So we were there when the whole thing happened with George Floyd. And it was really mm. like eye opening yeah. event for us because it was like right down the street where it happened. It was like, holy cow. And then from there, I went to Belgium and they had all these things about, you know, um, um, racial injustice and making sure that, you know, people are 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 speaking up about that. And. And Belgium was really like uneducated about it. So I wanted to start something where it was, you know, similar to what they did here in Black Players for Change in MLS. We did something there in, in Kortrijk. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to go all the way through with it because I had left to come back to DC United. But that's another big thing for me. I always try to go out to, to you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say rallies, but I would go to like important events that were there because yeah. I, I want to support that stuff. And um, obviously, I hope that, um, you know, my my kids grow up in a better world than we do and then by you know et cetera et cetera they yeah. can just go more and more like Absolutely. that so i think Never those would be the, the couple of things that i would that i would want to get out there um mm-hmm. but i mean yeah anybody who, who who knows me knows i try to get out to as much events as i can especially yeah. now with my injury if there's an event going on in dc that's important and it's you know something that um is going to make some kind of difference and change i usually i usually try to get out to those things yeah that's and good. i think I think it, like you said, it goes hand in hand to, you know, 
what like raising the children and like get, you know giving making sure like you know kids come up in the right way i think it goes hand in hand with that so i appreciate you mentioning all that that, that yeah. yeah i agree yeah. um and uh you know i i know we have i i have an open floor question after this but again i like to ask this question to uh and colin i'll make you give your answer again maybe it's changed um, I've asked this question to NFL pro bowlers. I've asked it to actors. I've asked it to fellow soccer players. I just asked it to a PGA golfer. Um, I, I to, to help people kind of make the assimilation. Have you ever seen the movie Step Brothers? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that scene where like him and Dale and Brennan go to the they're at the uh, uh, the playground and all the fifth graders essentially attack on him. Uh, kind of similar situation, you know, in that kind of situation, you, you pull upon a, you know, you're either walking by a playground, what happens if fifth graders come at you? How many fifth graders do you think you could take down before they potentially overpower you? I'm, I'm very oh. curious to hear your answer. To be honest, I think fifth graders, they're built now. They're built now. And that's the they're thing. You know, if I get, if I get one big fifth grader come up to me, it's dangerous, I'm not man. a great, I'm not a great fighter. I don't have any fighting skills. I mean, <laughs> It, if it was to be honest, if it was just me and I saw a pack of fifth graders coming, and they were serious about it, I would strap up my shoes and be out of there. Hell yeah! <laughs> I would not go. I would Good not answer. go after them. I would You're turn right. around and I'd run the other way. I mean, I'm not looking to get my, you know, my ass handed to me by you know a twelve year old. It's a lose lose. Okay. It is. It's a lose lose because then also if you hit the kids, you're like the guy. Yeah. Fifth grader, exactly. I know, I know. you know, and I don't know. I mean, some of these kids, they, you know, they say they're in fifth grade, but you never know. It's like the little Weekly okay. World Series. Oh, <laughs> I am twelve. Show me the birth certificate. That's all I. Think. I am twelve. Like, there's just no way. It's like no, we, no so, why uh, these kids are getting recruited. No. We asked this to to Sophia and Jafal the other day. Um, I think you'll be entertained by his answer. He he said, "What did he say, Joe? Twenty to 30? I think he was like, I put up double digits. He was, I was like, he was tell like, Sophion, tell Sophion that no chance because he has a bad shoulder. So, I mean, that means he's basically hitting with one arm. So, if somebody gets him from his one side, it's finished right away. Exactly. That's no, that's, I'll have to tell him. Uh, no, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I mean, in my current state, I could maybe only take down like five if I'm lucky. I mean, it's just, you know, they're built now. I feel they're like, just I feel like if you, you want just... to further into the question, you have to set the tone early with like a knockout right. punch. I really it is show that I I can you know it's funny you say that I had a friend who said the same thing you take down one of them with like a one hit KO it kind of is like oh man people will oh. back up a little bit yeah you back up the thing also that gets Great tough point. is when they start to go behind you because you know you can take people in front of you behind it's no chance there's no you know Jackie Chan's here where you're flipping mm -hmm. up around and, <laughs> oh, no no oh, so I that but God forbid I hope I never get in one of those situations because that would be yep. I'm avoiding it like the play. I talk a big game, but if it actually would have happened, like you said, I'm making my shoes tighter and I'm heading the other way. I'm oh, not, absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah, that is not worth it. No, no. Appreciate you answering that. Uh, interesting Colin, question. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, of course. Of course, Colin, before I got one, but before I ask Colin, you got any open floor questions or anything for Brendan? No, I, we, we covered a lot in this uh, this episode here. So, last thing I want to I like, Absolutely. I, I kind of like Google, we were kind of like doing some homework and whatnot and Colin even never like had heard of it. And like, we were kind of curious, um, there was mention you potentially played a little bit with like an ocean city nor'easters team. D is that true? Or is that like, what, what was that like? And again, love the team name. Yeah. The nor'easters that, that was between my freshman year and my sophomore year. Um, you know, in college soccer, you go and play with like a, like USL or a PDL team at the time. So yeah it was kind of strange because i was 
not sure what I was going to do during the summer. And then, you know, everybody was like, oh, I've committed to this team and this team. I'm like, what do you mean you've committed? Like, like oh, you got to go play like with a USL team during the summer. That's what they do. And I was like, okay. And so funny enough, then this, this guy had kept calling me from this, this Nor'easter, you know, club. And I was like, whatever. Yeah. I'll come play with you guys. Like I'll, I'll yeah. go up there. Um, yeah. I ended up going, I wasn't there for very long, um, but that yeah. was fine. <laughs> we like lived right on like the, the, the Jersey, um, boardwalk and i mean the stadium was like basically like right on the water and it was it was like a really dinky little stadium the grass was horrible and i mean it was it was it's like not a bad summer. place to spend yeah. the summer though yeah right? no, I know. it was no it wasn't a place to like live and play and try to like have a job no it was more like a vacation place so it was hard like with doing everything at the same time it was weird because like guys kind of took it seriously kind of didn't and i obviously take everything really seriously with like soccer so i was like trying to get guys going and they're like bro relax like it's just like a summer league like you know and then i had asked the guy i was like well how are we supposed to like how are we supposed to like live here and like how are we supposed to pay for everything he's like oh you got to get a job and i was like i i don't i mean i don't know how to get a job like i never had a job in my right, life right, right. not to be like spoiled or anything i was just like i've always had to play soccer you know whatever yeah and I remember, like, I got a job at the grocery store, and I was, like, working as one of the guys who fills up the aisles and, you know, takes stuff from the truck and fills the aisles. I did it for one day, and I quit. So I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. This is not for me. Not yeah, I was me. curious. I was curious about that. But, yeah. uh, um, no, but, yeah, that was the only thing I really had. Brendan, I, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, had a great yeah. conversation. You were great. Um, you're always welcome to come back on the show and uh, we look forward to watching the rest of your career over the next couple of years for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hit me guys, hit me up if you guys ever want to go out and play golf or whatever else. Easily. Not We're now, ready. I need a couple of months. <laughs> no, I get that. From being rusty, but you know, next year. Easily, easily. We'll get out there. We'll rip it. No, no pro no, no problem for sure. Cool, but guys. yeah, no, with that, uh appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Absolutely. All right, brothers. Take All care. Right. Thank Later. you. Later. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Bye.